0: We were just laughing over here a little bit. uh, The people who show up on a Sunday and are so excited to hear the senior pastor preach. And it's like that moment of, oh, it's not Keith. It's not Sorry. Megan. We're not Keith and Megan. Sorry, we're not Keith and Megan. But I do promise you this morning, we are really dovetailing with them after last week. So we're going to try to just really roll right into this uh, this idea of kind of tag-teaming a little bit. So um, I hope you had a wonderful celebration of Independence Day. It is a little funky having the day off in the middle of the week, though, isn't it? Anybody have a weird week? Was your week like you didn't know what day it was? You didn't know where you were? It was kind of kind of fun and funky. We, uh, we got a chance to go up and be with Joey and Allison Ruff for uh, our Independence Day celebration, and if you get a chance to talk to them about their new adventure that they're on, wow, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Well, Keith uh, asked us to uh, to share, and our first idea was Psalm one. So, if you were here last week, you would know that Keith's first idea for opening up his own series on the Psalms for the summer was also Psalm one. So. We came last Sunday and I said, let's let's listen and let's see if we can do a message that will tag team the things that are on our heart about Psalm 1 and the things that were on his heart about Psalm 1. And so it's kind of exciting because I really feel like that's what God did here. So let's stand together. One of the things we would love to do as we kind of focus in on a passage like this is to be able to read it aloud together. And I really do encourage you, try to grab a Bible. It's not going to be up on the screen. So if you want to read along, I'm going to read it. But if you can grab a Bible or on your phone or wherever you have God's Word, and go ahead and turn to Psalm 1. I'm going to be reading from the ESV uh, version, and I just want to read this over us as we begin. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let me just pray again as we dive in here. Father God, we ask this morning that you would sweep us out of the way, and that you would speak through us. In your name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. I think uh, it was exciting last week to hear this phrase from Keith, this this delight, not duty. And when you're thinking about this idea of delighting in God's law, delighting in God's word, what does that mean? He gave us that invitation to life-changing intimacy with God and painted a picture of how we are changed when we delight in his law and delight in his word. And that's really where we want to go. He kind of looked at that delight side of this equation. And we want to piggyback on this and talk about how do we get there How do we get to this place where God's word becomes a thing of delight to us? Becomes a thing that actually becomes this change agent inside of us. How do we get to that place? And that's really what we want to park on this morning. Julie is going to reread verse 2 in the amplified version of the Bible. And I'll talk about that more in just a moment. But she's going to reread it in the amplified version.
1: Yeah, so here it is. Verse 2. But his delight... And desire are in the law of the Lord, and on his law, the precepts, instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night.
0: We really want to park on that verse. And that amplified version, if you're not familiar with the amplified version of the Bible, what it does is it takes key words and it adds in a bit of an extended amplified definition. So as you're reading, you get to one of these words like law, and it gives you a little bit more to understand what that might mean, what the other parts of the definition can mean in the Hebrew. When it gets to the word meditate, it expands that definition out just a little bit. And I love that because this word law, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church. I grew up up hearing this verse. I grew up hearing people talk about in his law, he delights. And I would think to myself, I'm sorry, law is not delightful. Law to me was always the obligation part, the the things I had to do, the Deuteronomy, and it felt heavy. And and as a kid growing up, I kind of dismissed this verse. I didn't know what to do with it. And I love the fact that when you dig into this word law, what you actually find out is When you delight in his law, you're delighting in all of his instruction all of his teachings, the whole big package of what God has for us in his word is this word law. And it's not just part of the Bible. It's not just somehow something that we're supposed to do. It's this idea of how God has given us this big instruction of understanding what life in him can be, what he wants to bring to us, the salvation that he brings, the grace, the transformation, all of these things, are part of that big instruction. And when we're delighting in his word, when we're delighting in his law, that's the bigger meaning of what that, what that actually means. That word meditates there in that version of, of uh, verse two, in the amplified version. I love that it brings out the word Habitual. When you meditate, when you make this something that is habitual, what does it mean to meditate on God's word? And this is really a core to where we want to go today. How do we get to this place where we learn how to meditate on God's word? How do we make this habitual? Had a conversation with a good friend of mine this week, and he asked me what I was going to be speaking on. And he was just real honest with me and just said, that's not me. I am not someone who is habitually meditating on God's word. That's really hard for me. That's really hard for all of us. To make this a habit is a choice. It's something that we, we make happen. We choose to do it. And so this idea of meditating, making this habitual, it means to muse, to ponder, to retain. I like this next one, to detain, to imagine, and to pay attention to. And you dig into this word meditate, you begin to realize there's a lot here to understanding what it means. If we're going to meditate on God's word, some of us are going to do it in really different ways from each other if we're gonna park in God's word and meditate on it in such a way that we begin to absorb it into our soul, these definitions give us some hope here. There's room for us. There's room for different approaches to muse, to ponder, to retain, to detain, to imagine or to pay attention to. I love that when Julie and I were talking about this, that immediately we came up with very different kind of key thoughts. So I'm gonna let her share her key thought and then I'll share my key thought.
1: Yeah, one of the... Um The meanings of meditate is the idea of this dainty morsel that you take in and you kind of savor and you kind of take your time. And that this made me think of a recent experience we had with our son. We got to take him to a dinner and he said, arguably, it was the best steak he'd ever had. It had a little foie gras on top and he just absolutely loved it. But I can see his face in my mind right now as he was eating that steak so, so, slowly and like his eyes were closed and he was just enjoying it so much. And that's part of this picture is, you know, you could probably imagine in your own mind a really good meal you've had or something you just absolutely savor. That's what this is, is that we're not running through it. We're slowing down and taking in something special and, and taking time to just kind of enjoy it and savor it. And ingest it slowly is what the concept is. And I think that's just really powerful imagery as we think about meditating on God's word. It's something kind of precious and rich if we're willing to kind of slow down and savor it and take our time with it.
0: And on his law, he meditates day and night. That dainty morsel image, it's so invitational to me that we would find these dainty morsels in God's word. I love the fact that when we think about this meditating process, that's what comes to her mind. What came to my mind was something very, very different. As I dug into this word meditate, the piece that jumped out at me was that this meditation is like the murmuring of a lion who has apprehended his prey. He's caught it. He got it. He won. And now he's got his claws in it. And he's going... And he's telling everybody else, back off. I got it. I've apprehended this thing. And I read that and I was like, yeah, I love that. I love that. That's the way I want to go into God's word. I want to fight and scrap and kick and scream. And I want to come out with something at the other side. I want to apprehend my prey. And I want to be able to take it and say, I got this. I understand something New and different and deep about God's word. Love that that she comes up with dainty morsel and I come up with a lion eating its prey, but it's both parts of the same picture, the same image of what it means to meditate on God's word. The growling of a lion that has apprehended its prey. In this age of information manipulation, it is really, really easy to meditate on worthless things. It's really easy to entertain ourselves into oblivion. It's easy to meditate on worthless things. Here's the thing. This brain we have is made to think. It's what it's wired to do. We're wired to ponder, to think deeply. Some of us do it with words and we speak it out loud as we ponder. Some of us are external processors, right? Some of you are internal processors. The things you're thinking about, no one knows about. You're just chewing on them inside your brain. Sometimes they wake you up at night. Sometimes they keep you awake at night. But we're meant, our brains are meant to think deeply about something. We will meditate. We do meditate. What do we meditate on? This invitation is to dive deeply into this unfathomable well of God's Word and to at least in some way make this a habit in our lives that we would meditate on His Word. Sometimes I meditate on the past. Think about a past mistake I've made, and it just haunts me. Sometimes I meditate on the future. I spend a lot of time here thinking about what's coming, what's happening in our world. Sometimes what's happening in our world right now just kind of freaks me out. And the more it freaks me out, the more I meditate on it. And the more I meditate on it, the more it freaks me out. Sometimes we meditate on things that are worrisome to us, our children, our marital status or lack thereof, our, our child status or lack thereof, or whatever it is in your life, these are real things. They're not, not really heavy. They are. But if they are what we meditate on, we will spiral around them. And God is calling us to sink an anchor down into something else. He's calling us to sink an anchor down into his word. Julie sometimes will say to me, you spend all this time thinking about the future and reading all this dark news and, ah. But you're still, like, you're still hopeful. And I feel like that's, hopefully, that's part of me trying to balance this out in my life, for me to sink and anchor down into God's word and and anchor down into understanding his heart for me and for the world and for all of us, that then I can maybe approach the other things that are happening in my life, the other things I think about through the lens of what God has revealed to me in his word. And it radically changes the approach I'm not in that sense of spiraling down the drain if God has actually spoken to me and anchored me in something bigger and better in who he is and how much he loves us in his great and perfect plan. We will meditate on something. If I say Lucy Pavensi, anyone know right away who that is? Who is that? Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe, Lucy, Lucy Pavensi. Lucy, we know Lucy because she is that sweetheart character in that story. She's the first one to find Narnia. She's the one that goes into the, to the wardrobe and discovers this new world. And she comes back to her brothers and sister, and she wants them to come. And remember, they're not sure what to do with this with this thing she's encountered. If you're not familiar with this story, read it. It's fantastic. But she comes back in and tries to get them to come with her. Remember, they're not sure. They don't know what to do. They can't quite get their mind around this experience that she's had, except that her, not her oldest brother, but her next oldest brother follows her. And then he winds up in Narnia. Edmund winds up in Narnia, and he's not sure what to do with it. It's overwhelming to him. It's not the same place of joy and and excitement that it was for Lucy. And he wanders into Narnia, and he's just kind of lost and confused. And it's interesting that when he wanders into Narnia, he runs into the white witch. And the white witch comes alongside of him, and she's very curious about him. She's very curious and she wants to talk to him and she wants to have this conversation with him. So she offers him something. She offers him, do you remember what it is? Turkish delight. She offers him this Turkish delight and he keeps talking to her while he's stuffing his face with Turkish delight. And he's so captivated by this Turkish delight that he's not really paying much attention to what is happening. At last... The Turkish delight was all finished, and Edmund was looking very hard at the empty box and wishing she would ask him whether he would like some more. Probably the queen knew quite well what he was thinking, for she knew, though Edmund did not, that this was enchanted Turkish delight, and that anyone who had once tasted it would want more and more of it, and would even, if they were allowed... Go on eating it until they killed themselves. We meditate on a lot of things that aren't actually feeding us. And God's Word provides something so different, it breaks that cycle, it provides us with something meaningful delight and discipline. That's what we decided to call this today, was delight and discipline. Keith focused on this idea of delight, not duty. And we thought, what we want to bring in is the how do we get there? How do we discipline ourselves? How do we see this as two sides of the same seesaw, that we're bouncing back and forth, that this discipline becomes this reciprocal thing? It's not the opposite of delight. Disciplining ourselves to meditate on God's word becomes The doorway to delight. Delight and discipline. Discipline becomes the doorway. Choosing to develop the habit of getting into God's word. How do we do that? I promise you Julie is going to speak. She's going to, I'm getting done with my part and then she's going to take over. Some of you are wondering, why is she just sitting up there right now? She's just sitting up there looking lovely. I know. How do we do this? Well, for years, I was a youth pastor, and I tried to come up with some ways to help students understand and get into God's Word and learn how to do this meditation, this devotional life, how to make this part of their life. And so I took the different things that were a part of kind of understanding how to get into God's Word, and I tried to come up with a little acronym that might work for them. And my acronym was the acronym PROMWAS prom was. Now, some of you have heard me speak on this. Some of you guys were at Bible study when I talked about this. So I'm just going to bust through these letters really quick and see what do you think these letters might stand for when it comes to developing a habit for getting into God's word. P might stand for? Pray. Pray. Very, very good. Very good. P-R might stand for? Read. Yes, you don't have to be shy. You can just jump out there. O. observe. Oh, I like obey. Whoever put obey out there, that's a good one too. Observe. Uh, obedience, I think would come in here in a second. Um, M, meditate. I mean, come on. That, that one should be the most obvious to everybody. W. Worship, that, worship is a great yeah. one. I would love to have incorporated that one. Who said that? I like that. It's good. This is another one. R. W. stands for Right. In my my thing here, understanding we're going to get to that in a second here. Um, but then A is looking for a- application, looking for application, looking for what God wants to do. And S stands for share. Find someone you can share it with. So here it is, all laid out in its little order. If you want to copy that down real quick, you can do that. The funny thing is, Julia's always told me that this ap- this is too long. This acronym is too long. People won't remember it. Even if they remember the letters prom was, they're still going to look at you blankly and say... I remember prom was, but I don't remember what all the letters stand for. So she says that it's much better if we break this down into four sections. So we're breaking this down into four sections today. And all of those pieces are still going to fit into here. But here are four R's that you might have a better chance of remembering. If you're going to make getting into God's Word habitual, read, record, reflect, and respond. All right, that's where we're going to park here for just a minute. If we're going to get into God's word in such a way that it can change our lives, how do we do this? Well, we begin by reading. And I would suggest that if you were going to go read the theory of relativity, and you knew this guy named Albert who lived on your street, and you were going to go try to sit down and ponder this writing, and you knew he was the guy who wrote it, and you walked over and said, Mr. Einstein, can you explain this to me real quick? I just love the fact that when we come to God's word, we know the author. We can start by asking him to speak to us and to teach us. So I would suggest that the number one first thing that happens when you sit down to read God's word is that you would pray, that you would connect with the author. As you read, I would encourage you to develop a plan. Are you going to read in small chunks? Are you going to read thoughts? Are you going to read a paragraph or two? Are you going to read in big chunks? Are you going to try to read through a chapter or a book? There's a lot of different reading plans out there. I would encourage you to find one. And follow it, because it gives you some kind of an organized structure. There's nothing really wrong with opening God's Word and letting it fall open and reading what's there on the page. But it doesn't necessarily keep your thinking in line with the organized way in which the Bible has been put together. And so it's great for you to be able to have a plan and follow it, read through it. Then have a place. Have a a place in your your home. Have a place at a coffee shop. Have something. And Julie had some thoughts about that. I'm going to let her take that for a second.
1: I think having a place that you really want to be and you enjoy being that is conducive to this is part of setting up that rhythm. Like we talked about habitually putting yourself in front of the Lord. If you don't have a regular place that you actually want to settle into and can have some Space to focus and to really be quiet before the Lord. Like it's the chance of it happening is so much less, and so that just was an encouragement we were talking to because I was saying even even Darren being the total guys guy like he he sets an atmosphere there. He'll light a candle or he'll get his coffee. He's got his regular place, and it just part of the atmosphere matters. I think if it's a place you want to be, you kind of want to be there, right? And you want to go and spend that time. I know for me, I have mine in front of a window where I get to look out a little bit in nature and so it it helps promote that atmosphere of being with the creator so mm. pick your place that you want to be and nurture that
0: our yeah. the next r is record capture what stands out to you we like to talk about this in terms of journaling capturing your thoughts in some kind of a written form what's kind of fun for me this week is here's my journaling for this week this is what happened for me this week. As I meditated on Psalm 1, this is me writing it all down and having something that I can actually share with someone. And this was a, a fun week to be able to turn my journaling into an outline because I knew I was coming to share with you. But what, do, what works for you? What works for you in journaling? I su- want to just suggest that this is not a Dear Diary kind of an event, this is capturing what God is saying to you in a place that you can go back, look at it, and reread it. It's
1: Capture also a little bit of accountability because if you put the date, then you're like, ooh, I guess that data is telling me when the last time I was doing this. So it can be a little personal accountability too.
0: Yeah, and here are some of your digging tools. The questions who, what, why, when, where, and how are really great tools to be able to get into the depth of what's being said. Who was this being said to? Who is saying it? Understanding the context is really important if you're going to understand God's word. When was it being said? Does where matter? Were they on a particular place next to a particular body of water? What was happening? I remember the very first time that I actually stood where I could see the path from Jericho up to Jerusalem. And I remember the guy I'm standing there with and he's saying... This is probably where Jesus would have been standing when he would have been telling the story of the uh, Good Samaritan, would have been probably right there on that path. And I just remember going, okay, where matters? Sometimes in scripture, the where matters. So these questions are great to be able to dig in and understand. Use your observational skills to dig into God's word. Next is reflect, this is where meditation comes in. All of those ways we defined it earlier, here are a little bit more, some other ways to kind of think about it, to memorize God's word, to reread it, to maybe reread it in a different version, that amplified version I talked about earlier. Maybe you read it in the version you read most normally and then when you get done, Go read it in a different version. Go look at it again and through different, a different lens. Reread it. Dig in to apprehend deeper truth. Here's an a idea that came to me a number of years ago, and it's, I just can't get it out of my mind. It's like taking that dry, crusty sponge that's gotten shoved underneath the bottom of your sink somewhere, and you pull that dry, crusty sponge out, and you drop it in a bowl of water. What does it do? It absorbs that water. It changes the structure. It makes it soft and pliable. And this is what we want to do. We want to be like a dry sponge that drops into God's word and soaks it up into our souls. Julie, you were going to share something from Isaiah.
1: Oh, yeah. I was looking at this verse this week, and I thought this was so powerful. Um, Isaiah 5, 12 to 13. It says, They never think about the Lord or notice what he's doing so my people will go into exile because they do not know me. I know that's kind of the negative, but flip that to the positive, that if we think about the Lord and if we notice what he's doing, maybe that will help mitigate against the exile of our own souls and what is the desert of our own beings. I just thought that was such a a powerful invitation to notice and think about the Lord and then be refreshed by him in that process.
0: I love this from Psalm 119, 11 to 16. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Isn't that great? That's another way to say meditated. I've stored up your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. How do we do this? How do we dig in and find some of these deeper truths? That, that uh, amplified version, I've mentioned that. This is my one of my most amazing study Bibles. It's called Zodiatus, Z-O-D-H-I-A-T-E-S. The Zodiatus Study Bible. It's usually what I go to when I really wanna dig in and understand what a word means, how a phrase fits together. This is a great little tool. My mom got this for me. It's one of the best things I've ever found. Come up to me afterwards. I'll let you write down all the details about it. It's a great Bible. Here's another thing. On your phone, look up the Blue Letter Bible. The Blue Letter Bible app. It has a lot of resources. It'll take you a little while to figure out how to use it, but if you do, you're going to be able to dig into God's word in some really cool ways. Check it out. The Blue Letter Bible app. It includes the Strong's Concordance. It includes a lot of other great things in there. How do we dig into God's word? Read, record, reflect, and respond. Look for application. As you're digging in, ask yourself these questions. What is it that God wants me to do? How might he want me to change? What does he want me to be to my spouse, to my kids, in my workplace? Look for application. What is God's word saying to you? How does he want to transform you as you're in the word? It it is what happens as we spend time in God's word. We are rewired. How does he want to rewire me today as I dig in? to do, to change, to be. And then the last piece of this is find somebody you can share it with. Find someone in your life that will give a rip about what it is that you're reading in God's word. Find somebody that you can say, oh my gosh, I read this verse and I hated it because I think I have to do this thing because I think God's calling me to be different than I was when I first encountered this passage of scripture. Dive in. Dive in dive into God's word, and then find somebody in your world that would love to be able to celebrate what's going into you and how it's changing you. All right, we're transitioning to from how to what happens. This is the fun part now. We get to talk about what happens when, when you do this.
1: Yeah, Darren um, had just, he knew he was going to be teaching and, and asked me if maybe I might share a couple things that have happened recently um, as they flow in with this topic. Um, and I first just want to say, being connected to this community here at New River where it's a place that we're really encouraged to listen to God's voice. We hear it, We, um, when you talk with people, it's something normal that you would hear from God's voice. I just want to say that's really um, increased my ability to hear from God. And then just uh, just a, a reminder to myself, too, that the more time I spend with God and being with him, the more I am able to hear his voice in in every day, in the, the big moments and the small moments. But being connected to people and to God really help um, open up the portal to hearing his voice. So um had an interesting situation recently so here's here's just a little story of kind of being intentional and then maybe something that happened um so from time to time i'll try to plan a half day alone with the lord just time where i can just kind of shut off everything else and and be with god and just see what he's gonna do and honestly i don't ever really know what he's gonna do in those times but um but this, this most recent one, I planned a time and then I just felt impressed to, um, to do a prayer walk. Um, we have our older son and his wife moving here and I had really been hoping that they might be moving into our neighborhood and I just thought, you know, this might be a great chance to walk my neighborhood and pray over our neighborhood. So I went out uh, my door and went out to my first street and I was just kind of walking up and down that street and saw a lady and chatted with her and we had a great, great conversation. And I just said, hey, you know, I'm your neighbor, but anything I can pray for you. And she said, yeah, I've got a son with autism. Would you pray? And so I prayed with her and we just, you know, it was a great experience and um, really encouraging and stuff. Then I went over to the next street and I see this guy sitting on his stoop of his um, you know front door smoking and just you know sitting hanging out whatever and I thought, well, I'm going to pass by and if he's still there, I'll just ask him if I can pray for him. And so uh, I did my my little loop around and he was still there and so I just walked up to him and said, "Hey, I'm your neighbor and doing a prayer walk. Is there anything I could pray for you?" And he said, "Yeah, you could pray for my bees." And I was like, well, that's kind of (laughs) weird. I don't know what to pray for your bees, but I am a beekeeper. So that was super interesting to me that he said that. So to fast forward the story, basically about 45 minutes later, he had downloaded to me all of this information about bees. He gave to me. He invested in me. And I got to the end, I said, I was going to pray for you, but you've just given me so much. And we kind of had a laugh about it. And I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? The first situation, I kind of get a chance to pray with this lady. The second one, this guy totally gives to me. And then the third situation, I was walking this neighborhood that I would really, really hope that... um, our kids might find a house. They, they did find a house. It was a really good deal, but it was in a flood zone, and I was wrestling with it. And I just, as I walked up to the house, I heard God just clearly say to me, you don't have to compromise. And it came out of the blue, and I just thought, okay, I'm free. I don't have to pursue that. I don't have to push that. I'm going to just let that go. And And it just kind of said to me that as we set intentional time to walk and talk with God— he's going to talk to us. He is going to speak to us. And I, I don't know about you, but I want my ears more and more attuned to hear his voice because my conviction is he is speaking all the time. I'm just not listening all the time. And so I want to m- move in that space to discipline myself to be with him so that he can speak to me and do whatever he wants. Um, the second illustration or story that um, happened recently is more of an unintentional one. And this is kind of just, I don't know, this this really changed me. Um, Darren was on a trip and uh, I was going to head out to Columbia and I was kind of rushing around and doing a whole bunch of stuff like I always do. And then I took off uh, down my street, got a few houses up and realized I didn't have my phone. And I was like, oh no, shoot. So I turned around, came back, Looked up and down my house everywhere, could not find my phone. Got a neighbor to look, you know. I we tore the place apart, couldn't find it. I just finally was like, Okay, here here we are. Um, and I heard two things I heard God say, Sit with me on the porch, and your phone is going to be delivered to you. And I was like, Okay, I don't even know what this means, but whatever, I'm gonna just go with it, right? So I sat down on the porch with the Lord, and you know, at first it was a little awkward, (laughs) kind of sitting there like, okay, what are we doing here? I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything. I'm completely grounded because I don't have any way to communicate or whatever. So, So I sat there. And what I'll tell you is that God did something I couldn't do on my own. He totally did surgery on my heart. He peeled back these scales on my eyes to see something from nearly 15 years ago that I didn't even know was there. Some anger and resentment I had held towards my husband. He showed it to me, and I couldn't have gotten there myself. I mean, clearly, 15 years later, I didn't even know it was a problem. And he pulled that back, and he showed it to me. And he wouldn't, I don't think, have done that had I not sat with him on the porch and just listened to what he had for me. After that I was tired. <laughs> I was just totally wiped out so I went I just took a nap. I laid down. I wake up to my door knocking someone knocking at my door. My friend Danielle shows up and she said, "Hey, I'm here to help you find your phone." <laughs> Cuz her husband was on the trip with my husband and found out that I had no phone. So she and I again, retrace the steps, walk down my long road, right to where we turned around. She's on one side, I'm on the other. On the way back, she reaches down. And mind you, this was right before construction happened on our road. (laughs) If it hadn't happened right at this moment, it never would have happened. But she reached down, finds my phone, and delivers my phone to me. And I'm just like, God, I don't know how you work, but you've got stuff you want to say to us. You've got stuff you want to do in our hearts if we are willing to slow down. Now, my story is not that heroic because <laughs> I was forced to slow down, but um, but we have the chance to slow ourselves down and really listen. But I will just say that being with God and being with him habitually is a doorway to delight. After um, Darren got back from the trip, I, I sat down with him in the kitchen. I said... I need to confess this. God showed me this, and and I am so sorry for this. And he said, I've been waiting all these years for you to say that. So God wants to work in our lives if we will give him those opportunities. Sorry, I didn't expect to get that emotional, but I want to just read you this verse in John 10, 14, again in the Amplified. It says, my own know me, and they have a deep and personal relationship with me. And that's really what we're, we're going for here, is a deep and personal relationship with Christ. I think we're out of time.
0: <laughs> you, I didn't know you were going <laughs> to take that little hook there at the end. You caught me too. Mm. What happened to Edmund in that story? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Did he just stay kind of a self-centered jerk? Well, fortunately, he encounters Aslan. And he starts to spend time with Aslan. He stopped eating the Turkish delight. He broke out of that cycle of feeding on that which was not giving him life. And instead, he began to spend time with Aslan. And it's fascinating to me that at the end of this story, when after there's been this crazy battle that's happened... His older brother is explaining to Aslan. It was all Edmund's doing, Aslan, Peter was saying. We'd have been beaten if it hadn't been for him. The witch was turning our troops into stone right and left, but nothing would stop him. He fought his way through three ogres to where she was just turning one of your leopards into a statue. And when he reached her, he had the sense to bring his sword smashing down on her wand instead of trying to go for her directly and simply getting made into a statue himself for his pains. Edmund becomes a warrior. Edmund gets transformed. And this is what God's inviting us into as we meditate on his word. And I want to encourage you right now, to take a couple of minutes and open up your Bible. I know that with our little funky start time, we're a couple minutes over. And if you've got to go, I totally understand. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But I do want to encourage, we're going to take two minutes. Just take two minutes. And I want you to look at Psalm 1, 3 through 6. And I want you to just take a couple of these words, these ideas around meditation that we've just given you, and dig in. Find your dainty morsel apprehend the truth God has for you here in Psalm one, three through six. I'll close this in just a minute here, but I'm going to give you just a little bit of time to meditate.